welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 39. I'm your host tonight and my name is Shorty and I have just a couple of beans on the line with me tonight. We have Chewy. How you going, Chewy? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. And we also have Cracker. How you going, Cracker? Very well, thank you, mate. Good to hear. So... This week we're doing something a little bit different. Normally we would be releasing a Evergreen series uh, episode tonight, but we're going to do something a little bit different. We've had a topic sitting in our show notes for for quite a while, actually. Uh, or probably, I think I probably put it in the show notes maybe about when the COVID stuff sort of started happening. So about seventy four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, it it was something that sort of spurred me to think about. Uh, A bit of a hypothetical that's actually turned into a bit of reality is how would we feel and how do we think the game would cope uh, and, you know, tournament integrity and structure and all that sort of stuff if Wizards decided to no longer hold paper tournaments? And... If you've been keeping up to date with any of the, the regular news, you'll know that Wizards actually have cancelled all the rest of the uh, the major paper tournaments for the rest of the year. Uh, I think they actually said in the States that stores aren't even allowed to run events. Is that... Am I... No, it's, glo- it's basically global now. It's the same here. Okay. There's no, no more sanctioned events for almost all of the world for the rest of the year. Yeah, right. So, yeah, when I first sort of had that thought, that hadn't happened, and, and now we're finally getting around to recording this, and it has happened, so... It's very interesting scenario to be in because for for all of us here on the podcast, we've like, effectively grown up on magic with paper magic, and we've played a whole ton of paper tournaments where you go and sit down with your opponents and shake their hands, which is definitely going to be a thing of the past. <laughs> don't don't yeah. see don't see that happening much anymore. But uh, yeah, there's definitely this shift to online play and you know wizards has this this shiny new toy in in magic arena that uh they're pushing down everybody's throats which is which is fine by me but uh yeah the all the rest of the tournaments for the rest of the year are all going to be yeah held held on arena which suits us pretty well for uh you know being stuck at home and not being able to get out of the house that often with the kids and all that sort of thing so not a huge issue but what do you guys think about this sort of change and this sort of move towards online and digital play instead of paper as a focus. I might just jump in and just have a frame this for the people listening for uh, so they understand fully what we're talking about here. So are we saying like our local game stores will no longer exist, Wizards stop printing paper cards and just become a digital product? Yeah, we, we may get to that. We'll, we might get to that. So we'll get, we're going to sort of go through a few scenarios tonight and, and that's probably the one we'll, we'll wrap it up on. But okay. if we if we just sort of look at, I guess, just, where we're actually at right now. Just every card to the like reserve a, list and see how people feel yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I guess we sort of take it to start with sort of where we're at right now where what what I was sort of hypothesising a few months ago has actually come come to fruition where we can't play paper tournaments and we're playing online tournaments. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the sort of thing where back then I was thinking, okay, what well, maybe Wizards as a company don't want to hold Grand Prix anymore for, you know, the fear Players of having too many. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, and, and that's obviously that's, that's come to pass. So, where do you sit on that, Chewy? I, I need to remove emotion from it. Because, as you said, we've grown up with this game and, you know, been playing this game for over a third of my life. And I have 
you know, through those events, those, those Grand Prix and, um, you know, traveling interstate for PTQs and my local game store and all the rest of it, you know, I've made some really good friends and, and that, you know, and we, we talked about that in our community episode and, and right the way back to, you know, episode one of this podcast, if you want to see the difference in audio quality between then and now, go back and have a listen. But, uh, the people side of it, has been a, a really, um, a really big part of it for me personally. And I know for a lot of other people. So if that's the first thing that my emotional response, you know, my, my first reaction, if you like, yeah, you, you're going to miss out on the, the gathering of people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, that, you know, I'm a social person and, and that's part of what drew me to the game. Would it stop me playing the game forever? You know, will I sell up and, you know, take my bat and ball and go home in, in a huff? No. Um, I'd, I'd adapt and I would reminisce about the good old days, I'm sure, but, you know, I would just adapt in time. There will be a transition to the, you know, new normal. You know, the the online social interaction platforms like, your you know, uh, Facebook, Spelltable, Discords, etc., would, you know, continue to grow and develop. But it would be a transition and with any sort of change comes uh growing pains so i hope it doesn't come to that i guess is is my ultimate answer um if it did it would take some time and and there would be parts of the community that needed support in that transition some people would just absolutely love it because they were just like oh great i can play this game competitive competitively without you know the mental exhaustion of interacting with other humans um <laughs> but uh, that's not me, you know, I, I feed off that energy. So I would need to find an outlet for that in, in other ways. And that's a big part of the therapy that is magic for me is, is that interaction. So I'd need to, uh, fill the void that that would leave. So yeah, I'd worry, I'd worry about how some people would cope, uh, during that transition. But ultimately, you know, you have to, you have to put, the safety of the population ahead of uh, ahead of that, unfortunately. Ahead, you know, of, ahead of a uh, kid's card game. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like like we're we're in Melbourne. We're recording in Melbourne, and we've currently we've gone back into a lockdown with with the uh, COVID stuff that's going on. And today was the first day that everybody had to wear masks, uh, like legally. Otherwise, you cop a nice two hundred dollar fine and. Surprising driving around today how many people I still saw getting around without masks, which is a little bit disappointing. But for us here, I think it's going to be quite a while before we can actually get back to playing tournaments. Like I can see stores opening up to play small tournaments, but your big PTQs and all those sorts of things, I don't think we're going to see them for like a year at least. At least, yeah. Yeah, yep. Um, What do you think on this, Cracker? Well, I mean, when you suggested the topic of like how would we feel in our discord i wrote back sad and that's the end of the cast (laughs) right like that's that that sums it up like the the thought of not being able to have that kind of i don't know that i never aspired to to make it to the pt like it was always one of those things that i knew probably would never happen but like going to gps and going to like these other smaller tournaments and stuff it's just heaps of fun right and yeah, I, I kind of echo what you were saying. Like, it would be it would be difficult. But, I mean, we are there, right? That is the reality. We were getting ready to go 
to one in a couple of months is was our yeah. plan. And, you know, the beans were all planning on traveling to one and it was going to be a lot of fun. But, you know, we've kind of don't have that option anymore. And so, we've got these like arena events now instead. So, uh, I guess I am sad, but at the same time, I'm glad that there are other options available. So, you know, I don't know. Everything's so weird, man. It's kind of hard to separate out yeah. at the moment, I think. I just want to pick up on one little point you made there. It's like- you said that's where we're at now. Uh, I think a lot of people are getting by now hoping or, or you know, under the advice that this situation is temporary. And I know that knocked a bit of wind out of people's sails when, you know, we've, we've gone into lockdown too because, you know, we've, you know, had these numbers climb. But it's a, you know, I, I know myself, it's like, you know, I'm homeschooling kids, I'm trying to work from home and, you know, things are things are different and things are difficult. Uh, I can't, you know, hang out with my mates to cube or play commander or whatever I want to do. But I'm like, we just got to get through this. We, this is temporary. I guess that's the mindset that a lot of people have right now. And if that becomes permanent, that is a whole a whole new thing, right? If it's like wizards, if wizards come out tomorrow and say, we're just, you know, we're not doing it anymore. How do you feel about that? like? Yeah, yeah, and and that's kind of sort of where where I sort of wanted to lead this in. It's you know what happens to the competitive scene and and all that sort of stuff. If if Wizards say okay, look, local stores can run small events, like your we, FNM or a draft yeah, or something. Yeah, but we as a company, we are not running any sort of major tournaments in paper anymore. Everything will be done on Arena or Magic Online that program that kind of still exists, um, assuming that they would put everything on Arena and that's that's it from now on. For me, like, as, as Craig has said, we've we've had these new Arena events. Like, we've we've got the Arena Opens, which I think was fantastic. That, uh, yeah, both, they were great. Both me and Cracker, you know, we both made it to day two, which was awesome fun. And there's another one coming up in, in a couple of weeks, which we'll probably be talking about the hus- historic format on next week's Next, next. Wow, I've completely stopped being able to talk. <laughs> we will talk about that on next week's cast. <laughs> but yeah, those those sorts of events suit us better. As you know, as much as we like getting out a few times a year to a major event and catching up with people and that sort of stuff, from a competitive scene, that actually suits our play style better. Um, you know, like like you said, Cracker. I don't think any of us were really aspiring to be on the pro tour or, or getting to the players tours and that sort of stuff we would all, all would have liked to and, and chewy was lucky enough to get there once i would love to go there but my you know i understand reality <laughs> and the chances of me getting there are so small yeah but the reason i wanted to go is for the experience it, yeah, it yeah, isn't absolutely. it isn't that i i ever aspired to be a pro player and i think that that's yes. In the last 12 months, we've seen this big shift in Wizards' attitudes um, with organized play. And I'm not going to say whether I think it's good or bad or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm honestly, I paid attention for a bit and then there were just so many things that happened I couldn't understand. I just gave up because it didn't, it doesn't impact me. But I think that the whole, the changes are there and the shift now is to digital. And more recently, you know, there's been some organized play changes in the last couple of weeks where, you know, they were basically giving people infinite roles on their, you know, their PT invites for this whole perpetual we'll be back to normal soon thing. And I don't know if we ever will. Like, I don't think no. we go back to what we were. I don't see that happening. No. Just like I just I, the the thought of being 
like I was saying to my wife last night, it, it's so weird to see like just TV shows or stuff where people just walk up to a stranger in the street and say, oh, g'day, mate, how you doing? And shake their hand. I have done that to thousands yeah. of people, right? Like you, you bump into your mate and they introduce you to someone you've never seen. You shake their hand, you say g'day. And like, I, I just, I walk around my hands in my pockets now. Like I'm not touching yeah. anybody, right? Yeah, you'll, just, you'll probably never do that again. Do you remember concerts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. Like the thought of going into a a small stinky venue with hundreds of other <laughs> nerds, right? And sitting across the table, you know, like what, two feet, three feet from a person where, you know, like it's, I just don't know that we get back there. And so I think that wizards might actually already be in the mind space of this is never going to come back and we should start sort of transitioning to that. And so that's why they've probably made some of the changes they have, right? Where they're now doing some of these arena tournaments and, yeah. you know, the, the, the players tour online and, you know, I think we're kind of trending that way already with everyone hopefully in the back of their mind going, look, maybe one day this all just disappears and we can do what we did, you know, in 2018. But I don't know. What about the cards themselves? Have we seen things in the the later sets? And I don't know how how far back the sets were actually designed, but are we, are we seeing things in templating, wording mechanically that are, you know, subtly leaning toward arena and, and away from paper play? So when I think about this, I think about, you know, having a menace, first strike, death touch and flying token on my, you know, artifact creature 3-3 three, three thing, right? <laughs> yep. You know, that lends itself to, to a digital platform a lot better than it does a, uh, you know, a paper, a paper one. So, and we talked about that in our Courier episode, but, you know, is that a, you know, a, a nod, like a, a, you know, getting us prepared for a more digital game, you know, <sighs> away from the paper, an analog game? <laughs> Maybe. I, I think that there was some, and look, this, this whole episode's a little bit tinfoil hat, <laughs> right, in, in some respects. <laughs> you guys have got yours on, don't you? Oh, Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> I was the guy who said there was going to be a Teferi with a static ability that counted all spells or something in the last set. So, you know, like, don't mind me. There was there was a bunch of conspiracy and, and look, so, some truth to it in terms of cards seemingly being designed as more modal and sort of potentially focusing as a best of one when everyone was terrified that, you know, Wizards was pushing best of one on Arena harder than they were traditional magic as you would. So- Wizards would also be foolish to not, to some degree. Like, I think Arena is is certainly a very large portion of their plan roadmap, moving forward. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Roadmap, yeah. exactly the word I was thinking of. Yeah, roadmap. I'd imagine exactly at right. the moment it's probably a huge part of their revenue as well. I, th- I think it'll be getting there. Yeah, I, but I, I think that's a really important thing, Shorty. Like, the game needs to function as a business to survive. Yeah. And a lot of people- just see Wizards of the Coast as this, you know, big faceless company that, you know, is just, you know, pushing for money all the time. And, you know, we, there may be times where they are, you know, releasing 14 secret layers in a, in a week or something. And you go, oh, you know, maybe they are trying to just uh, bump up sales, but, uh, for the game to survive and, uh, keep the digital platform up to date to keep new cards being designed to pay artists and then 
give prize money for events and, and things. Like it needs to sell product for that, right? That's fundamentally what they do. They, they sell magic cards and everything else around that is a, uh, a vehicle or a, an, an advertisement to, to sell more magic cards. That's their business model. I don't know what the actual numbers are, but I'm tipping that paper sales have, you know, gone absolutely through the floor over the last sort of six months or so. So, and, you know, like I don't spend a great deal of money on Arena. Like every now and then I'll I'll buy 50 packs for 50 bucks or whatever it is. So I don't know what revenue they're actually getting through Arena. I saw Jeff Hoogland, I think it was, tweeted a couple of weeks ago. He spent like three and a half grand on Arena or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> so I saw there's that. obviously there's people out there that are spending a lot of money. I mean, I've spent, I don't know, maybe... 250 300 bucks on there cracker you've you've spent five. what five bucks <laughs> yep. five bucks, yeah yeah <laughs> i'm probably you- about the same amount as you shorty over the journey maybe, maybe yeah. 300 bucks yep but when you've got a huge huge player base then all those small amounts of people just paying five bucks adds adds up pretty quickly but does that compare to you know i i supported my local game store this week and, and bought a box of m21 um, cause I wanted, uh, I wanted some, some cards out of that set. The, I wanted the Mecha Godzilla and all the rest of it. Uh, so I, I went and bought that and I sat down after dinner with my daughter tonight and we, we opened a box, uh, together and sorted the cards and it was super fun. And, you know, if there were no paper tournaments ever, then, you know, I'd do that less often and, um, you know, they're, they're losing that revenue as well. Yeah. So, well, yeah, kind like- of, but the revenue that they're getting from Arena is direct. So, you think about it, you're, you're saying, I'm supporting my local game store, and you are. So, you're you're buying it from your LGS, so they take a cut. They buy it from a distributor, they yep. take a cut. You've then got the printing costs associated with, you know, the actual physical side of it. And even though they're, they're small, when you scale it out, you know, they all add up. And so, you take into, into consideration all the pieces of the pie that get you know, chunked out of a pack, if you would, you know, Wizards are probably still taking the the lion's share, but it's not like all of it, right? There's, it, it gets split a lot of ways. So if I buy a box per set, right, uh, I'm spending Australian 160 bucks, right? I'm not spending 160 bucks every time a new set comes out on Arena. Uh, I'm not, I'm not spending, I'm not even spending 50 bucks. I'm not even spending, you know, I'm spending 50 bucks every two to three sets. Sure. But you've probably got two or three times the amount of people on arena who would do that. Like, yeah, not not everybody buys a box. Exactly what I was about to say. We're heavily enfranchised players and we would buy a box most sets, right? Yeah. Except for Chris who buy, I don't know, whatever Chris buys. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, a, shout a out number. to Chris for keeping Wizards <laughs> yes. of the Coast afloat. That's, uh, That's we it. appreciate it. <laughs> but like you said, it's look, it's it's why these games that are free, like every game on your mobile or Fortnite or you know like Dota Two, make millions and millions of dollars in microtransactions. Yeah. So it's these these small things where you just go, oh, it's just ten bucks. I just need some more gems because I really want that sleeve, right? And yeah. that's what Wizards gets. And they don't get $3 of that $10. They get $10 of that $10. So, I think that's kind of the difference. Yeah, their, their profit margin would, would have to be way higher on their, their digital products than their paper products. And Correct. Yeah, when you scale that up to millions and millions of people, I, I don't think- I don't think we've seen a number. There was a number that got put out a, a while ago of a player base, but- uh, I don't know if, if Wizards 
has actually released it. It was official never number, confirmed. No, no. But it, I'm, I'm tipping it would be 10 million plus on uh, on Arena. That's a lot of people. And there's, you know, of those 10 million people, I don't know, maybe how many people will buy a booster box? Maybe not even a million. Maybe 500,000 people buy. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I don't know what their their numbers are, but. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, but yeah, you can def- definitely see we're why cast, we've cast infinite hypotheses here. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. yeah, we are working with imperfect information as well, and I guess that that is the the premise of the episode is just to initiate those discussions yeah. and, and that thought pattern. Get, getting back to your point that you sort of started, and we sort of took on one of your chewy tangents was are yeah, they des- are they designing cards for arena? Um, yeah, we we've definitely seen seen that in yeah like you said the Icoria set with the counters it just works so much better on arena than it does in paper not long after arena came out there were a few changes like the targeting rules with burn spells and things like that you know targeting any target rather than Mm -hmm. listing out players and planeswalkers and things like that that are just easier to read yeah the modal cards that are heaps better for best of one but they've also done other things like they've changed most cards to instead of saying like target opponent is like each opponent now and that's a nod to commander and multiplayer sets right so i I don't think it's necessarily bad as long as definitely if they're going to continue down the path of producing paper which i can't see them getting rid of right well we'll we'll get to that soon (laughs) but you know like as long as it, it maintains the level of functionality that it needs to be manageable and that's that's always been a Apart from cards like Chaos Orb and really, really old stuff, one of Wizards' key components of the game is that you don't need physical dexterity to be able to play it, right? That's always been one of their their rules. You shouldn't- there's no physical requirement needed to be able to engage and enjoy the game as much as possible. Yep. Yeah, that's true. And there was a GP winner a couple of years ago who had his carer uh, had to shuffle his deck for him and, you know, still, still still won a Grand Prix, so- uh, that's absolutely uh, a true statement, and you know I think that's a great sort of thing for wizards to adhere to. But I guess it's a uh, yeah your point with the the commander cards being you know present in each sort of set. Uh, back to my point of you know they sell magic cards. That's what they do. So having having things like the mass manipulation, right? That that sort of big splashy spell. You know, you look at that and you're like, oh, I want to put that in my ramp commander deck. And it also has an impact on sand. It's a good magic card. But I think those cards exist with uh, greater prevalence now with the advent of commander than that they did a number of years ago. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, reprinting the, um, the ultimatum cycle and, and things like, oh, sorry, finishing the ultimatum cycle. So perhaps it's just, you know, the same sort of shift towards arena. Maybe it's not a tinfoil hat moment like I was alluding to. And, you know, people go, ah, oh, something's changing and, and, you know, obviously think the worst. Uh, but so to yeah. go on my own tangent and I'll end it here is, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think it, that is the case where they're just getting ready, preparing us to, you know, pull the cardboard rug out from under us. Yeah. I mean, like the sets are designed. 18 months to two years in advance anyway. So we've only had Arena for, I think, like three years. So we're probably only just now really starting to see sets that were designed specifically with... Maybe. You know, they would have been is, working on Arena, Arena for probably oh, yeah, yeah, two yeah. years yeah. before that. So it's, yeah. it's something that they would have had in mind for a long time. But yes. Yeah. But yeah, you, you get cards like uh, that Hactos, the Unscarred, the 
you know, comes into play and you pick a number at random sort of thing, like com- complete RNG as to what it's got protection from or doesn't have protection from, that's very much like a Hearthstone type card. That's not... Yeah, or or Rakdos the Showstopper where you flip a coin for each other creature on the battlefield. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah. So th- th- things like that that are in paper, they... They can be tricky. You, you can definitely do them in paper. It's not not a huge problem, but on a digital client, that is, yeah, that's it's a hell of a lot easier to do, and it looks cool, you know, when you play Rakdos and <laughs> you see yeah. coins flipping and things like that. It's yeah. Well, I've Sweet seen some, some tense moments in vintage and legacy events with cards like Mind Twist and Himdatura, uh, where there's random, you know, discard cards at random. You know, players yeah. not being clear about. You know which which cards which and, yeah, and things yeah. like that. So um, yeah, it is a lot cleaner when it just happens and you don't kind of have a choice in it. And like, oh, I hope they don't hit my land. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so yep. Th- those cards have always existed and they function a lot better on a digital platform. I, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So I was going to actually loop back around to <laughs> one of the earlier things. I think we went on like a, a ten minute tangent was about <laughs> tournaments and things. Do you want to get back to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We better we better wrap it up on that. I think so. One of the things that I think will be really interesting to see how Wizards makes the change is we talked about the arena opens, and Shorty and I both played it. In fact, I think everyone had a go at it, and it was awesome because it was these in client, you know, X number of wins, N number of losses, done. Wizards have, and everyone has really struggled to this point to be able to run a like traditional paired round tournament to be able to get to like a top eight and then have, you know, like a playoff series, right? I wonder whether those are going to change because Wizards yeah. haven't actually released any of their own software or platform to do that. So far, they've always used someone else's. And yep. here's, here's my tinfoil hat. I wonder whether that structure might disappear because it's too hard and too big to do. Yeah. So we have this this weekend is the first players tour finals and that's being played on arena but it's getting run through MTG Melee which uh, they've run the Red Bull events which we've played in which the first one we played in was horrible it was just a horrible experience but yeah it's not in client it's all done by third parties there's issues with it all that sort of stuff for years I've been saying and wondering I've never understood the cut to top eights you play Swiss event, you know, you play your play your rounds and then there's this arbitrary, oh, you made it into the top eight, but the person in ninth who has the same record as you but has a slightly different percentage because one of their opponents dropped from the, the match, sorry, but you don't make it. I've never understood that. It just seems weird. And, and then you play this huge event and you're so exhausted. You play two days of a Grand Prix and then you've got to play a top eight at, at the end of that. It just extends the event, you know. The the if you if you're playing at a GP, the the tournament's shutting down, and they've got to pack up the, everything, and the coverage is happening. You can see people packing up chairs in the background and things like that. It it just seemed really pointless to me, and I th- I don't know if that's just the way it's always been done in Magic. I'm I'm sure there is a reason for it, but I a system like the Arena Open where it's just you just play. And this is the cut for day two. You just play and you have to get this amount of wins and you make day two. And then you play on day two. And if you get this amount of wins, you get this amount of dollars. And if you get this amount of wins, you get this amount of dollars. And there's no first, second, third, fourth, whatever, anything like that. 
Yeah, and and that's, you know, people want that number. They want to be able to say, oh, I came first and whatever. I don't care if I come first. I'd much rather go, hey, I got seven wins and I got two grand. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't matter what I came. I got two grand for it. That's awesome. I guess that comes with the scaling of how big the events and the tournaments are. And because Arena is, you know, anybody in the world can enter one of those events at any given time, uh, there's no cap on on membership and I'm sorry, not membership on, uh, on sign up and yep, participants to compete in those events. So the Swiss structure has worked, uh, well up until, you know, you have like a thousand or 1200 people. And it's only in the last couple of years where we've seen that. Like the first couple of GPs I went to were like 250 to 400 people. And then even in Australia with the, the population that we've got and, you know, the distance that we've traveled to go to GPs, you know, we, we do get, you know, in the high hundreds towards a thousand. And then you think, you know, some of the big things like Vegas and, and what have you. And we've seen with were where they've had to, uh, in Europe, I believe was the first time I heard about it. They had to effectively run two separate GPs side by side, uh, because the, uh, the Swiss system just couldn't handle the, the pairings and, and those numbers. So, it could be kind of the evolution of Magic uh, and part of the move to the digital platform to, you know, loop it back to what we're, you know, originally talking about here. The actual structure of events will need to change because, yeah, we just can't have that. Uh, and it, it will impact some people that, you know, are hyper-competitive and they want to win this event. You know, you don't rock up to a to a... a an FNM or a PTQ or a GP or a Pro Tour hoping to top eight or hoping to cash, you're there ultimately, you know, and no matter how realistic or not this is for each individual player, but you're there hoping to win. You know, like, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, you have those little fleeting thoughts where you go, what if I crush this event? You know, what if I, what if I just like go undefeated in this, this PTQ and just run the top eight and, you know, how good would it be to be on the pro tour and all the rest of it? So everybody has those thoughts in their own way, right? Some people, you know, stare out the window. Some people dismiss it. Some people like have dreams about it, right? So, uh, but that as a fundamental structure needs to, does need to change. I, I agree with you, Shorty. For you, you might go, this is great because I don't care if I'm not going to be the winner. But there will be a, a portion and admittedly probably a small portion of the Magic population that will be put off by not being able to say, I won. So it's a, I think they're in the minority, uh, but given what we know about Magic social media, there are a, a group of people that have that mindset that are very good at the game and have a lot of social media followers <laughs> um, that would complain about that to say, you know, I can't, you know, I can't say I won a pro tour. I won a grand prix. Uh, I don't have that trophy. I don't care if I went seven X when, f- you know, 20 other people went seven X. Can't I now play in a tournament with those people to see who was actually the best on the day? So that is a small minority, but I think it's a, v- a vocal one. Yeah, I agree. I think though that, I would miss it. Like, I, as much as I don't aspire to be on that, I do really enjoy seeing super high-level play. And I think that one of the ways I've gotten better at the game is by watching people who are much better than me. And Like my stream last night. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, 
sorry, I digress. Yeah. No, no. Uh, but no, uh, I agree with you. What watching so, like, I, I, watching I, other people that are better than us play is a a really good way to learn. So I think I think something would be lost if we go down that path. The the flip side is that I agree, and like you know, we with arena the way that it is. If I'm waiting a minute for a game in ladder, I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? Like. Where is everybody? Whereas, you know, the experience we've had, you know, when Shorty was talking about the, the first Red Bull tournament that we he played in, there was like 40, 50 minutes in between rounds. Now, when you've dedicated a day or a weekend to going to a Magic tournament, then that's kind of different. It doesn't matter so much because there's so many other things going on and you can you can do other stuff. But I think that the shift to digital brings with it the level of immediacy that people are expected to have, right? And so- I think that puts an extra stress on the style of tournament that Wizards are used to running, where it's an all-day event and it runs for eight hours, and that's fine. Yep. So, what I would like to see in that is for us, have Arena Opens and a chance to qualify. So, the, if the PTQ system was based on, you know, a ladder, make top 1,200 Mythic, that's great. I, I, I like that. Have Arena Opens, if you have uh, a particular record, you you know, get prizes uh, in cash or invites to the next event. But I would really like to see something like the Pro Tour Finals where you have a discrete field, invite-only, high-level play with great coverage with the traditional format that we're used to seeing. I, I hope they don't just scrap the Swiss altogether, but I hope they just apply that where it's relevant. Don't try to have Swiss where it's too big to work, but then don't on the flip side of that, don't apply the arena open style to things like, you know, players, tours and worlds. That's what I would like to see. Yeah. I think that's actually pretty close to what they're doing now, though, with with my understanding of OP. It's uh, sort of. Like, they're still playing the – I'm just looking at the article now. They're still playing, right. like, the, um, the qualifiers and all that sort of stuff, which are Swiss events. Yeah. Okay. You know, like uh, there's, I'm looking at like the Zendikar Rising Split Championship, things like that. They're, they're 15 rounds of Swiss. There's a cut to top eight, that sort of thing. But if you get X amount of wins on day two, that qualifies you for the next thing and that sort of stuff. So I would like to see that in between sort of what you're saying, Chewie, and what the Arena Open is giving us now, where it's if you're playing a big tournament where you're expecting to get more than, you know, 200 people, there's no Swiss. It's just... You just play your matches and you've got to get X amount of wins. And then if you, you know, if it's a one day event or a two day event, whatever the, the cut is, but you get X wins and that either qualifies you for the next day or qualifies you for another tournament. And, you know, that is a small 32, 64 person tournament where a Swiss structure works really well and you can watch it and, you know, watch the tournament and see this person's on this amount of wins and all that sort of stuff. So a bit, bit of an in between, but. Yeah, I'm all about that. If that's the structure, then I'm I'm happy with yeah, that. Yeah, like, like I've just never I've never understood. Like we played in a GPT. What was that? Like three years ago, whatever. The one where I won for for Sydney, and yep. there's what there was like ten people there, I think, for the yeah yeah the, there was. And so yep. we we played four and we had rounds. To cut to top four. Yeah. yeah, we played four rounds, and then we cut to top four to then just play some more rounds, and it just seemed so dumb. It's like. We can just play four or five rounds and have, okay, well, this person is undefeated. They are the winner and this person has the next, you know, best record. They are second place and, and so on. Like it was just, it was just this arbitrary thing. 
you know, the, but during that same season, there were those events that had you know a hundred players. So yeah, yeah, you can't you can't leave it up to local tournament organisers to make that call. That opens it up to too many too many issues, uh, and integrity comes into play at that point. You can't do uh, you know you just play whoever until you get X amount of wins when you're playing in paper, and that that's I guess that's part of this episode is if the move and the push is to digital, you no longer have that that issue where you're running paper tournaments and you have to stick stick to that structure or whatever. You're if you if you know the the arena open that's gonna run in two weeks time, they they know they're gonna get a million plus people, whatever, playing in that thing. So they know they're gonna have the volume of people. They're not running a ten person tournament. So Well I think that's a that's a really good um a really good thing to draw parallels to. So if we use that example, like we drove to I can't remember you drove, we drove Across Melbourne, Caroline Springs, uh, Caroline yep, Springs, yeah, from, from the eastern suburbs all the way to the west, and we we went to a store we'd never been to, which was great. It was a good store, uh, but you know there was ten players there. If we add up everybody who played in that GPT season across the world, you, you know you'd have a whole lot of people. So uh, we had to make that shift that the store had to put on a judge they had to organize the event they had to do prizes all the rest of it there's a logistically it was huge whereas if they just pull all of those people together uh and run events over you know x days running for 24 hours and people can play at the time that suits their time zone and their lifestyle they're gonna get more people to those events because you don't you can do it from the comfort of your own home and you're not you know you're not reliant on paper cards as much you're not reliant on you know accessibility to the store and you know so many other logistical factors when you can just play it on arena so i understand where they're coming from and it makes business sense it makes logical sense from a tournament structure perspective um but right looping right back it's the last point i'll make right back to my original thing is that you know the we lose the the people side of it, and and that's the. I, there are so many things that make sense about moving things to exclusively or almost exclusively a digital platform, but I think Wizards would be remiss if they didn't somehow try to foster the the community side and and, and the people side because there are a lot of people that are in just as invested in the the people that they play with as they are with the game. So for the game to survive, I truly believe that Wizards need to adapt to that. Not just adapt the gameplay, but adapt the community side of things as well. So, you know, if anyone from Wizards ever listens to this, I doubt they would. But, yeah, please um, think of the, uh, you know, it is Magic the Gathering, not yeah. Magic the on the couch in my trackies, right? <laughs> so uh, they, they need to have a way for people to uh, to interact with other human beings through the game because that's one of the game's great strengths. Yep. So to sort of pull all those tangents together, I guess our thoughts on that is we, we feel like the gathering side of it, the actual meeting people playing tournaments, is very important and is such a huge part of Magic and probably such a huge part of why it's been so successful and we would absolutely miss that if... That was no longer available to us, but we are happy with the direction of them pushing into a digital space uh, and focusing on that a bit more because it is just much more convenient and, and gives them much more 
options of the way that they can do things that uh, that are much more convenient for people to play in and gives you a bigger player pu- player base to uh, pull together to have bigger bigger tournaments that are probably easier to run for for most people so yeah ha- sort of happy with where they're going but it still still needs something of uh, of what was originally there it's tricky right because all you're trying to do is preserve the vibe the feel of the tournaments yeah in, in, in what you're trying to do. But I think that they'd be foolish to try and cling to the structure. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that, but there needs to be a transition. Yeah, but I, I think now that we're kind of here, they should probably just push harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then if it ever gets back to being where we can have huge gatherings of people for paper tournaments, then, you know, like, you've got another chance to revisit things. Yeah, so it would also be a good chance to reboot a system you know, you go, yeah, okay, cool, we can, exactly. you know, in, in 18 months, point, two, two years' time, they can go, you know, they, they run digital tournaments for the next yeah, year to 18 months or whatever, and then it's like, okay, all of a sudden now we can run major tournaments. Okay, we're now going to start major tournaments again, but this is the new structure and this is what we're going to do. And, of course, you know, Wizards will do an announcement and everybody will whinge and complain about it, but it is what it is. I promise you we'll turn up and play. Yes, we will. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be excited when you make an announcement that there'll be an announcement. Yes, yes. yes. All right. So we might uh, sort of touch on the last part that we were going to sort of hit on on this whole hypothetical situation. And that is what what if Wizards, you know, we let's say we do go another year and a half to two years with not being able to play paper tournaments. Uh, You know, they're not running any major tournaments. You, You might have stuff getting run on a local level, whatever, but... Somebody, you know, probably somebody from Hasbro goes, okay, you know, our paper sales have absolutely bottomed and our digital sales are going through the roof. This is where the future is. We're going to shut down the paper side of the business and go solely digital. So for me, obviously, you know, that has massive implications financially for people with their collections and things like that. But we sort of touched on this before we started recording. That opens up a whole new world for Wizards, which they've never been able to dabble in before, which is they've always been tied to their paper cards. And once you print your paper cards, they are printed and that's what it says on the text box and you've got to stick with that. As soon as you get rid of those paper cards, you don't have that problem anymore. So aside from the being extremely sad that there'd no longer be paper cards printed... Cracker, what are your thoughts on that happening? And do you think it would ever happen? I'd be really surprised. Like, I I think things would have to be absolutely catastrophic for, you know, for it to end up in that place. I'm not saying it's impossible, but, you know, the world would have to change even more than it already has. Uh, The interesting thing is you you talk about the value of cards. They, They immediately skyrocket. Yeah. So people aren't losing money anymore on things being reprinted because there is no reprints. So anything that you have now is one of however many there are that exist. So I think there's the value a, there's of There's also no longer the up. demand though. Well, I don't know that that's true because you're still going to have this this fundamental group of people and the, the player base will shrink. But given the opportunity, would you rather play Commander on Arena or would you rather sit down and play with Commander decks that we've got? Like if Chewie, if you could never add another card to your cube, would you still cube? Every day, if I could. Right. Absolutely so, every day. So, the, uh, it's it's interesting. I think that there's, you know, like there's this, it would be, you know, strange <laughs> to say the least. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, obviously, you know, it would be 
difficult. And part of the, the problem there is that, as you said, Wizards have always been tied to their their paper thing. And as, as a digital game, it's not amazing, right? We are, for the most part, trying to replicate digitally what we play in paper. So I guess it lets them, you know, make changes like, you know, Hearthstone or Gwent or Eternal or any of these other kind of, you know, modern TCGs. I don't know, man. It's it's so alien to think of, really. I like the idea of going, oh, this Oko Thief of Crowns card is is a bit overpowered. Let's just, you know, jump into the uh, into the source code and, and change this one generic mana to a three, right? And it's a really simple change to make. And all of a sudden, you know, Oko costs five or or, or whatever mana and it, and it becomes a, a less impactful card. Uh, I really like the, uh, the that as an option, uh, and as as you know, Shorty alluded to, we haven't been able to do that because of you know things are printed in on on bits of cardboard. But it's a uh, I really like the from a uh, a game perspective where you can go, oh, there's you know I, I don't like this thing. I'll I'll add an extra mana to it, or I'll make this do you know one less damage, or whatever it might be. I'll make. I'll make Uro a 3-3, you know, and it's a- It would um, still be really know, the good. The balance of the game could be vastly improved if it was solely digital, but that's also a slippery slope with uh, with things and, and people could get disenfranchised by that sort of change the same way as they do with, you know, bannings. So- Yeah. Yeah, yeah like- uh, I don't know <laughs> is my answer, <laughs> I suppose. So, like, oh, I've probably thought about this more than you guys just- because I've had this thought in my head for a few months, but I would see, you know, if, if, if they announced that, straight away you'd have a whole bunch of cards that would just completely tank in prices, like from the, the financial point of view. You're going to have a whole bunch of collectible stuff that's going to retain its prices, and you're going to have some things that people are going to keep playing for a while, but overall you're taking a huge hit on the prices of your cards. Um, you know, you look at things like basketball cards and that sort of stuff we've spoken about before, like the, the upper deck cards we all had back in 93, 94 that back, <laughs> back then were worth a bunch of money. Yeah. Now they're worth literally nothing. You've got like a few random Michael Jordan cards and things like that that are worth money because people like them, but that's it. So I would see Magic going the same way in, you know, not, mm. not immediately, but over time because sure. yeah you're going to have your people that are going to continue playing their commander decks and playing cubes and things like that but eventually they're either going to stop playing the game if that's all that they're playing or they're going to continue playing the game on arena and there's just going to be too many new things to be doing that their paper cards just don't do anymore and you might stick them in a cupboard and you pull them out every now and then and, and play but it's never going to be the same it's like pulling out a you know, a copy of Monopoly or something like that. It's like, hey, you want to play some Magic? Oh, yeah, we can play the, those old Commander decks, that sort of thing. But Arena becomes a different game. I would see the player base, obviously there'd be huge uproar, but the player base, you'd have a whole bunch of people that just go, no, nah, I'm done, I'm quitting Magic, you know, I can't believe you've done this, and, and you'd lose a, a fair chunk of people. But I think they would make those numbers up pretty quickly, and I don't think I don't think it would really affect the overall player base in in a, in a huge way and then yeah having that option to being able to nerf their cards when they need to and make those small changes is uh, would be such a huge thing for the game that they've never been able to do before and we have seen erratas on cards like we had uh what was it hostage taker before it even got yep 
released in in paper they had to make an errata so the cards that are all out there are wrong they they say one thing and, and that's not what the card actually does you've got all these old cards that say different things when they change the targeting thing you know lightning bolt now says well old cards are even different creature types now right yeah also like so they, they've done it before and one thing i floated as an idea when probably like a year ago when field of the dead was a huge issue in standard i floated the idea of why don't you just make it legendary it's a super yeah. easy change to do on arena Super easy. You just make it legendary, done. You know, that's that's where the bulk of your player base is playing. And playing in paper, you just go, okay, well, the land is now legendary. Like, that's that's easy. It's it's no different to your Planeswalkers also being legendary when the old versions don't say that they're legendary and things like that. So, yeah, you've like, that's an easy fix, but it still leads to confusion in paper, and that's that whole issue of being tied to your paper physical cards. But when you're a digital-only product, you, you no longer have that that issue so i don't see it it happening either as as you guys said i don't see them stopping printing cards unless we get to a point where you know if, if we go three years and there's no magic tournaments paper tournaments that's when it's going to be like okay why are we still paint you know printing paper cards or i don't know there's a shortage of trees or, or something like that and <laughs> <laughs> they can no longer print physical cards but I think we're a long way off of that. Charge all the people a dollar and a half to see them. Yeah, yep, that's yep. it. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely see them pushing much more into the digital world for their tournament structures and tournament runnings and, and the way that they're doing things. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I think that's at least the near future, right? Yeah. Got a question for you then. Let, let's say three years down the track, that day comes and Wizard says, no more paper cards. Do you stop or do you keep playing? I'll just transition to arena and and right back to my first point you know there needs to be a a shift and people will need to adjust and there will be a a portion of the community that will need to be supported through that yeah for me i think i've only played physical paper magic like five times this year uh and and you know that most of that has just been catching up with you guys randomly when we're allowed to and and playing I've played, what, like two tournaments maybe this year? I don't, I don't know. But I've played so much more Magic in the last six months than I probably have in the last 10 years because of Arena. So if they stop printing physical cards, yeah, I'm you know not going to be super happy about it, but I'm not stopping playing the game. It's I love this game. It, it's such a good game. And whether there's physical cards or not, the game is still the same. What about yeah, you, Yeah, good point. Good point. Oh, I I agree. I I would be sad and keep playing. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, yeah. That's, that's all yeah. there is to it. I'm too invested, man. Yeah. I, it's, it, like you said, it is it's just too much fun, and you know we have an access, an avenue to to continue doing that, which I'm really grateful for. You know, like if this if COVID had happened three years ago, woof, oh, man, yeah. like yeah, that's would, a whole other conversation. I would not be keen on playing Magic Online. All the time, and that's that's all I could play. I, I, I probably would have stopped playing Magic if that was a thing, but yeah. ar- Arena is good. All right, I, I guess there's that that sums up this entire conversation, doesn't it? Arena <laughs> is good. Arena is good. Yeah. <laughs> we could have saved you, you know, fifty three minutes, but uh, <laughs> TL didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, I think that that will do us. We uh, we I think we intended on this episode being about half an hour, and we've gone nearly double that. So that's what happens when you we just sort of free free roll it and <laughs> just ramble. So. 
we'll uh, we'll do the wrap up and uh, and then you guys can get out of here. So uh, yeah, we uh, we didn't mention it at the start of the podcast, but we have been on the last couple. We have a new sponsor on board, so Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. A, they are a Facebook auction group. They run uh, auctions every weeknight uh, with special lots going up on the weekend. So go and check them out. Just jump on Facebook, search for Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, or just as soon as you search for Josh and Pat's, you'll find them. Pretty pretty easy to find them there. And, uh, yeah, check out their auctions and let them know that we sent you. Uh, if you uh, want to find us over on Twitch or Twitter or uh, find us on Facebook as well. Just search everywhere for Magic Beans Cast and you'll find us there. Uh, I am on Twitter at Peace Inc. Chewy, you are? At Chewy MTG. And Cracker? At Joel Hill underscore. Very good. Uh, we'll do a full league update next week because uh, that's been kicking off. We've get, got quite a few matches going in there. It's uh, been a bit of fun. But, uh, yeah, that's going to do us for tonight. So thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.